0: I guess it's safe to say that I was sort of searching for myself and I feel like I, I found her. Um, and for anybody who listened to Femme Day-T, you know, it was sort of an interesting journey because that record uh, in some way allowed me to start examining my heritage, but almost as a voyeur, um, you know, celebrating these other women who have, you know, like, Connected to their Haitian heritage and really uh, uplifted community through that, and um, and just being an an admirer of their work and also celebrating the, the legacy of my grandmother, who was such an important musical figure to me. Um, but I got to really sort of uh, keep keep much of myself out of that story, right? I, even though I am a Haitian woman myself, and um, you know, I it, it was able to be personal uh, without having to really turn the lens on me specifically. And the moment of my life that I started going through after the making of Femme T and uh, leading into the making of this record was one where, um, I, I think that for myself, I really had to finally take a good look at, um, take a good look at who I am and start to unpack some of that. So it's, deeply personal in, in a lot of ways. And I'm now glad to be on the other side of it. And hopefully with uh, some beautiful memory and beautiful music that that other people can connect with.
1: Yeah, that's really great. Was was that kind of the intention all along to, okay, the first album was um, exploring family, exploring this heritage, and now I'm gonna turn that spotlight inward. Was, was that, or, or did you kind of come to that over time?
0: Um, it, it came to me. I don't know that I came to it. I think it came to me. Um, my, uh, just before Fumdai T was released in June of 2019, my family was really rocked by the sudden death of my sister, um, who was here one day and gone the next quite literally. And, uh, it was obviously an earth shattering event for us all but also revealed so deeply so many of the fractures within our family and also so many of the fractures within myself that, um, you know, I think when anybody goes through grief, um, I I like to say that, that like perhaps the one upside to experiencing that was that you're feelings and your emotions register as uh, as like there's not a lot of gray area, right? There are things that you feel very strongly about, um and you your sort of your emotions are all very raw. you either resonate with something or you're really averse to it. For me, there was no real gray area. And so it revealed a lot about um how I was moving through my life, the performative nature of that as somebody who, Um, has struggled with anxiety my entire life, but also is somebody who's in the public eye um, and who very much has this, like, forward-facing personality and persona that comes across as, like, she's all together and she's happy all the time and she's, you know, really, like, living this great life and just loves making music and um, going through that experience uh, was one that became impossible to do right like grief leaves you in such a state that you're only able to do as much as you can and um that is uh for me to heal not only from the loss of my sister but to heal myself from like lots of things that had been buried down for a very long time i had to sort of like dive deeper into that raw state so yeah it it was not the plan but it was um the place that i found myself in and i I do feel like to some extent, this record saved me in some way, you know, like it was the beyond the therapy, beyond all the therapy of which there's been a lot and continues to be, um, it was a way for me to start to parse out um, what was for me and what wasn't for me in a way that was really palpable and honest in and I would say, a level of honesty with myself that I had never um, really allowed myself to engage with.
1: Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. My guest on the program today is the composer, singer, flutist extraordinaire, Natalie Jawashim. And I'm talking to her about her brand new album, Kimon Uye, which translates to Who Are You? I opened up the program with the title track, and I'm going to go now to the second track on the album, Nanko Men. And then I'll return to my conversation with Natalie and feature more music from this great album out on Nonesuch Records. tracks are all organized as a song cycle right so there's a there's a larger arc to it can you talk about how the the songs hang together in the the, the larger cycle
0: yeah um you know the album itself is called Kimunuye, which in creole means on this on the most simple level who are you um and the thing that i really love about uh Haitian Creole is that it's a, it's a kind of fascinating language, um, in that it, there is a lot of coded messaging, uh, woven into our language. And I talked about that a bit on Femme T. Um, a lot of those songs were simple at face value, but also contained sort of secondary levels of understanding and even hidden messages, like many that were connected to our liberation story. And so... Um, to ask somebody kimunuye, you know, can quite literally just mean who are you and and saying I'm Natalie is a simple enough way to answer that question, but it can also mean um, which person are you or even whose people are you, right, like who, who claims you and who do you claim um, and that, I think, you know, for somebody to ask you that is, is more than a notion, right? It's sort of, it can be a really kind of like heavy question to ask someone. Um, and so I, that's the title of the record. That's the title track. And it's, a, it's the track that leads and opens the record. And through that, I, I go on this journey of trying to answer that question for myself from lots of different angles. Um, it means for me that, or it meant for me that not only did I have to parse out who I am, but to really answer that question, I had to get to the heart of who, um, my ancestors are, who my family who's with me now are, and how all of those people continue to live through me and have shaped, um, this person that I am, uh, we think of, of, being as something that is singular, but it's, it, you know, we're, we're interconnected with not just our blood relatives, but we're inter we're all in- interconnected with one another. Right. And so um, there is something about uh, my answering of these questions that it has me answering the them has me answering it singularly, but also for the collective, right. What can I do to process and, you um, and hold space to answer these questions, not just for myself, but for, uh, all the people who've come before me who didn't answer these questions, this question for themselves for one reason or another. Um, and to do that means to, to end cycles of, um, perhaps things that have been continually damaging and to leave space for, um, seeing something new. So the, the, A whole album really sort of starts in this place of asking who I am and answering it in many different ways along the way. And the very last track is actually uh, a love song that in the moment that I wrote it, I wrote very reluctantly because I wasn't I was experiencing so many strong negative feelings over the course of the making of this and over the course of my healing and processing and unpacking. That I wasn't ready to consider the the notion of love, um, but you know I, I think as we know this idea of like the the difference between like love and hate as emotions are much closer to each other than um, we think, and uh, in some way it wasn't you know it wasn't just about being angry or being able to love myself or the other people I'm in relationship with. But um, this sort of final step of, of finding myself in a space of being receptive uh, to love, right? The, the idea, this notion of like being able to be loved and have that be a part of this healing process as well.
1: I was thinking it's, it's like the opposite, you know, of, of um, the American rugged individualism, you know, where we're so proud that we're doing everything on our own. It's like, first of all, you're not doing it on your own. It's not it's not possible, yeah. you know. And secondly, why would you want to? I mean, you know, I've never understood that aspect of of being an American.
0: Exactly. Exactly that. And I think that, um, you know, you're right the, the the real realization is that like, no matter how hard we try to be separate from one another, we're we're connected whether we like it or not, you know? And so, and we do, there is an interdependence there on one another and we are impacting one another. And um, the more that we carry, you know, at these challenges or these burdens on our own, the harder it becomes uh, for us to sort of move together uh, with one another. And I think we see that, you know, we see that everywhere in the world. I think the challenges of this moment in time in history is this understanding that collectivity is something that we're going to have to start recognizing sooner or later, whether we like it or not. And if and, and if nothing else, this past handful of years in this present moment um, in global history is teaching us that.
1: Absolutely. And I find it fascinating that it's actually woven into the language, in, into Creole. This idea of interconnectivity is, is you know, part and parcel of the language itself.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I love it. I mean, I could, I'm not a linguist, (laughs) um, but, you know, I, I will say as, as part of this sort of understanding of self, this reclaiming of language has been a big part of that, you know, for me, Um, and in some sense, uh, a sort of radical way of sort of, Decolonizing my thinking of like how this world how this world is shaped and who I am allowed to be in this world and so Creole language has become something that I'm, I'm studying really deeply and am, and and have a deep affinity for. Um, but this idea that language itself reveals to you um, who the people are who created these languages, I think that's true. With any language, music included, right? And so um, I love that there's like this endless uh, level of discovery. It's sort of like a, a portal into seeing who the people were who, who created this, th- this language and why it has been able, you know, like how powerful it is that it has been able to sustain us as a people and also to hold our stories so deeply um and in in the case of Haitian Creole so deeply interwoven with our musical history as well and so um there's there's a deep amount of power in in that and I really do love that the language continues to um reveal so much (laughs) about Haiti and about me um through this through my study of it
1: yeah that's really fascinating Um, let's stay on language for a little while. I feel like language informs your music quite a bit. I mean, in your compositional process, do you often start by singing? Do you start with the language and and kind of transliterate that into music? Or just talk about how language really um, and music work together for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) this project is in some ways, like such a deep anomaly for me. I am not i a, a, I'm not known for being a songwriter, right? Songwriting is not my bag, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I, I have always been actually like quite scared of songwriting because in so many ways, I feel like it's, it's the hardest. It's the, it's somehow, um, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like the perfect recipe. It's like, you think of like an old Italian grandma who has like, Olive oil and garlic and basil and tomatoes and that's it, but is going to make you like the most perfect balanced combination of very simple ingredients that is like makes it irresistible to me that's like the perfect song right like something that isn't overly complicated, but we have such a tendency to sort of overthink that it can be easy to like have a song feel belabored right so i have kind of shied away from song as a form for that reason because um it's it feels like it should be simple but in its simplicity it sort of actually is like like shows all your dirty bits it like it it exposes you like very very quickly you know and so um this album is my first real foray and every song is an original song written by me um with original text not only in, in English but mostly in in Creole um and that that was difficult you know this idea of like what does it mean to be in some way beginning to sort of shape poetry around these concepts that that feel um very sort of heavy and personal to me um some of the songs I will say came uh came to me as songs like some of the text really that like, came to me in that way much of the text I was pulling from uh I had I had gotten into this practice of keeping these audio journals um for myself as a as like a catharsis and journaling has always been a really big big part of my life but I I had suddenly during the pandemic started keeping these audio journals and so a lot of the text is sort of the the seeds of the text were born from those journal entries um or at least many of the concepts for for a lot of the songs were but you know to be honest with you the thing that really became the fabric of the compositional fabric for me or like the the sort of meat of the compositional sandwich for me um was this idea of sampling and, you know, everybody knows, I think that I've always been sort of like low key obsessed with electronics and um, sampling is something that's always been really interesting to me, this idea of like, you know, just like birthing something uh, brand new out of, out of something that exists exists already. Um, and so what I really wanted to do with this, I got obsessed with this idea of like, what would it mean if I were sampling my own voice, you know, the voice being, fascinate to me the most fascinating instrument and in that it's um unique right that it that it is like a fingerprint that there are no two voices that are the same but it is also born of your dna and therefore part of a collective right it perhaps contains a little piece of every single person who has come before you right um and the voice is no stranger to being uh, a a tool for healing and in probably every single culture that we have. it's our it's it's all of our original instrument, you know. um, and even song, you know, I think, is is in some way all of our original language, right? But I became obsessed with this idea of like, what would it mean if I, um could use this at use that concept as, as an opportunity for me to like put myself in conversation with my own voice so in fact the um the way the record was constructed all of the original demos um every single song was born out of tiny blips of of sort of hand collaged samples of my voice from elsewhere on the, uh, on the record or from a, a previous demo that i i had made um, with the exception of the very first song that I wrote, which, uh, is a, a, the track that's called "Kembem," which features my grandmother, um, kind of, you know, more traditionally sampled where you hear her singing, um, a hymn, a, a church hymn that was one of her favorite hymns, but, uh, also you hear these sort of fragmented collages of samples of her laughter and her voice uh, throughout the track. Um, and then, you know, I... So I wrote that. That was the very first song that I wrote. In some way, it felt important for her to be the sort of connective tissue between Fum Daiti and this record, Um, but also a great place to start for healing, since she was such a such an important and healing person in in um, my life. And so I, uh, from there, though, you know, the every single song after that was like I I would take melodic material from my voice um, in a previous demo hand collage it and make something new. So every single song on the record uh, contains pieces of, of, of my voice from elsewhere on the record um, that I'm sure that Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a century from now, if anybody's still listening to this record, somebody will deep dive and like, <laughs> try to piece together. I, I know what they are. And I it, it is actually traceable. Um, Some of them only have very small fragments left or and, and there are even some that like where that concept has disappeared entirely from the song, even though it was a part of the original, but um, yeah, that, is, that language is actually the language that like built the, the writing process for me. Um, and this idea of like continuing to birth something new out of something, you know, like add out, out of something that was already existing and what can that mean for me in this healing process, but also how does that shift my compositional pro- pro- process How does it, um, you know, how does it help me begin to think of setting text in a new way? And so, um, yeah, I know I, that was a long-winded way of sort of answering your question. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Also, I'm fascinated with samples and repurposing things and and, and even my own music. I, I, I find it interesting to take a piece from years ago and take the the, the core of it and re-repurpose it for something else. Um, which you know some composers say that's cheating, but I don't think so. No, <laughs>
0: definitely it's a very not.
1: fascinating process, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. It's so funny that you say that. I'm I'm in the middle of doing some like. Massive overhauls of like pieces from the archives And I'm like, ah, yeah, I wrote that piece. It was kind of trash the first time I made it, but I, there's something about the bones of this that I can build something. And the new, the newness that's coming now also feels like super cool to be like, okay, I can, I can take, I can borrow some of these ideas and actually make them into something that I'm happier with or feel more strongly about, even.
1: But that's interesting, too, because you say, oh, this is trash or whatever. But, you know, like earlier iterations of yourself can sometimes be hard to listen to. You know, like you do a someone does a portrait concert and you're like, oh, my God, that piece from 1995. You know, I like, like where was...
0: did they find it? <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> like, is that out there? Uh...
0: <laughs> There's something uh, great, actually, about seeing how clunky some of the early <laughs> that some of the early things are. You know what I mean? That you're like in some way, you're like, I honor myself in that moment, because I was clearly trying to do something that I just like hadn't gotten there yet. But then you see, you know, like, a handful of pieces later, or a few projects later, where you're like, Oh, there's that thing. There goes that thing that I was like, trying to get good at doing that I wasn't quite good at doing, but good on me for like, having the idea to begin with, right. That like, I was like, trying to aim for something that I wasn't quite sure about yet. So Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's nice, but it is very funny when you, when people are like, I programmed this and I'm like, why? Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: Visual component is the music video that we released back uh back in January. It feels weird to say back in January, um, but we are now in a new month. Um, which I made, which was filmed on my family's land in Haiti and be became. I mean, it's just I can't express how much of a joy it was to finally be able to share with people this place that I talk about, you know, and have been talking about since from d'IET, like this magical farmland in the southern region of Haiti. And it's so beautiful. And for me, it's the best place on earth. And um, to have not only um, the land captured in that way, but also that like the entire, I mean, it's a, when I say it's a small farming village, it really is just like a school, a church, and farms, and that's it. And really nobody know even, you know, even people in Haiti, unless you're from Danton nobody knows where Danton is. They think they're like, is that a made up place? I'm like, no, it's just like a very small blip, um, in the middle of nowhere that you only know about if you're from there. Um, but the making of that music video, like the entire community was involved, whether it was, um, sewing wardrobe or, um, you know, like cleaning up places that we scouted to film or cooking food so that like all the the, the film crew and everybody involved could, could was well fed and cared for and all of the kids, you know, there is a scene in the music video where all the kids are kind of running down our main road uh, with kites and a woman who made all the kites by hand and all of the kids like you know who got to like everybody got a kite and so they all got to like we had to shoot it with this drone several times and it was just so beautiful you know it was such a testament to this idea of community and collectivity and my whole family is featured in um the video um and so it, it means a lot to not only be able to put a, a fit, like allow people to see the physical space that I spent so many years now talking about. And, um, but it also just meant so much to me that like quite literally this whole community just dropped everything else that they were doing for a week to make sure that this could be like the most beautiful representation of who we are, you know? And so um, I get emotional thinking about it now because it was, it's just like, it's such a gift and that none of them owed us any of that but it was like such a given that they would of course contribute in whatever way that they could and they did and um i i you know i was able to work with an entirely haitian um team uh, including the our the director who's an incredible filmmaker uh, uh, her name is Jessica Genius and um that it was just like such a sh- Jessica's vision for it was so amazing, but also that the community helped bring it to life, right? That that is like, um, the, I think the most beautiful undertone of that, of that, the music video was that, um, it wouldn't have been possible without every single one of them. And, um, just sort of, like you said, like, I could have gone there and been like, we're just going to make this video on our own. And, uh, it was it didn't have to be i didn't it it wasn't a singular experience it was a collective experience and um i'm so proud of it and i'm um just so grateful for every single one of them
1: Natalie is there anything else you want to say about the album that I didn't ask anything that we didn't cover
0: um hmm. I don't know I mean I think it's like yet again I have probably the only thing I would say is like uh maybe hopefully people are beginning to expect the unexpected for me I think like with Fum It, uh I was like I remember being terrified, like right before, just like in the days before this same moment that I'm in now. It's kind of like days before the album is out publicly, and I was like, "Wow, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody's going to expect that I'm going to be putting out a flute record." And it's like, it's really not going to be a flute record, and I'm not sure how they're going to feel about that. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, maybe people think that this is uh, going to be another extension of a sort of Haitian heritage uh, or folkloric centered album. And it's really not that I think this is probably like the most pop leaning thing that I've made to date. And so, um, go into it with open ears is what I would say in some way. I was just, I was just talking to a friend and I was like, you know, I'd been listening to all these interviews that Andre 3000 has, has done since he's now put out a flute record, which was sort of the last thing that everybody (laughs) expected him to put out. Um, And in his interviews, you know, his interviews resonate with me like so deeply because his, his reasoning is like, yeah, you know, I had this like identity as a rapper and that's a thing that I'm really good at. And that's the way people expect me to be expressing myself. But when I when it came to a place of like, I have to go to a new modality of expression in order to feel like I can very honestly express what needs to be expressed for me artistically in this moment and that has manifested itself as this flute record i sort of feel like i'm having my like reverse andre 3000 where i'm like it's really it's really not a flute record and it's really not a chamber music record at all which is like maybe what people are expecting but i had to kind of go into this new space this new space and this new modality of expression for myself Um, To be able to like most authentically say what I needed to say about um, what was for me, you know, what is a lot of like heavy heaviness that that came through this sort of breaking down of self and discovery. So um, that might be the only other thing that I add is that I hope people go into it with open ears and know that like as artists, it's I think the greatest gift that we can give ourselves is to be, you know, honestly and authentically. Uh, expressive and that uh, we rely on audiences to like allow us the space to be explorative.
1: Natalie's album Kimono Ye is out on None Such Records. It's available now and the video that she was talking about is on YouTube. So that is the official video for the track Kimono Ye. Definitely worth checking out and uh, I think you'll like the entire album. It's It's really quite a Quite a new direction for her and, and really a great album. It's such a pleasure to chat with her. And uh, thanks so much to Natalie for being on the program today. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit with the mission to provide equitable access to the transformative power of music making. Find out more at acmusic.org. And if you want to support Relevant Tones, you can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash relevant tones for five dollars a month. You can support this great podcast that brings creative music to you every week. For Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. Thanks so much for listening.